everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the Two Horny Girls! We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast! What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 2! bitches oh my god we made it we made it through 2020 we're on the other side of it and we're ready for season fucking two bitch oh my god i can't even believe i mean did you even think about like that we were even gonna get here when we first started this podcast priscilla let's just go down memory road for a sec okay 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 i'm ready i'm there with you we're in the time machine we're back to like august uh, no july of 2020 here we go it all went by so quickly remember we we're just like oh we're gonna do 12 episodes and that was like so daunting remember yeah oh my god i mean it was daunting it was a lot of work it was scary it wasn't easy you know but our lovely goatees have been here with us every step of the way and i think that's what has encouraged and motivated us to continue that's totally true so we just want to say another gratitude post right here thank you all of you guys for tuning in we're so excited to dive into the topics for season two this year um we're going to go a little bit deeper into some topics that we're already familiar with and really going deep into those deep bone marrow mm. like like depths Ooh, of yeah. like our experiences Ooh, right that juicy right. bone marrow that gelatinous Persona? murky shit we're getting in there <laughs> we're drilling into bone we just hit it's like when you break a bone you know it's bad when you see the bone that's what yeah. we're going into that's how deep we are like shit <laughs> you shouldn't see on aspect. the outside it's gonna be <laughs> like outside. it's so painful but it's necessary so necessary yeah we gotta 100%. excavate that shit um, but that being said Happy belated birthday, Priscilla. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's birthday season. Well, your birthday was yesterday when this pod is coming out. And I'm sure yeah. I would have gotten you a really great gift and hugged you and like motorboated you like crazy. Oh, yes. My boobs do miss people motorboating them. <laughs> but like to all of our cappies out there, happy Capricorn season. Happy Capricorn not to say that we're the best, season. but we kind of are. I mean, not to brag, but I mean, it is the name of our podcast. So I guess it's on brand to brag about being Capricorn. <laughs> Did I say Capricorn? Capricorn. Brag about being a Capricorn. <laughs> guys, you know what's on my mind. <laughs> but to be honest, you guys, like we are recording this a little bit further back, mm-hmm. you know, as all mm-hmm. podcasts do. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Prisca, like, how do you feel like as we're approaching our birthdays? And like, what does that mean for you energetically after this whole year? Yeah, you know, honestly, I was like thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, this whole year I've been like, I'm fine. Like quarantine does not bother me. (laughs) Like everybody Mm -hmm. needs to chill out. Like we're all growing our green onions and baking our sourdough bread, you know. But (laughs) um, definitely like after Thanksgiving, I definitely got a mad case of like the holiday blues in which like I just realized, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving outside like just looking in and taking a to-go bag with my family just really hit me really hard and I just found myself more lethargic I would say it's like low-grade depression even you know Um, I have a hard time getting out of bed I have a hard time getting motivated for anything like getting work done seems to be really laborious Um, Christmas is my favorite time of the year or just the holidays in general it's probably because I'm a I'm a Christmas baby I'm born two days after Christmas so Christmas always has meant celebration togetherness warmth you know obviously (laughs) gifts Um, but like just it's always symbolized something precious in my heart you know my family goes on a trip 
trip every year. Um, and even if we fight and we argue, it's it's our time together, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely feeling a lot of holiday blues. And I do want to just kind of almost like skip over this so we can redo it later. Um, it, that's kind of how I'm feeling internally. How about you? I think it's interesting because our birthdays always seem to land between the most monumental part of the year. Like yours is the ending of the year. You know what I mean? And mine is right after the beginning of the new year. So yeah. it's almost like our birthdays are sort of forgotten, you know, especially those people who have their birthdays around Christmas time. Yeah. Like we totally. have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who, you know, Capricorns, we're all just <laughs> friends with each other. But like, you know, they feel almost forgotten in a sense yeah. in lieu of like such a big holiday. Yeah. Like, have you ever felt in the past that like, you wished that you weren't a Capricorn baby, that you were, that you actually had everyone's attention to you solely for your birthday. Oh, totally. I wish I could have brought cupcakes to class. Like I never could do that. You know, I wish people could, you know, in high school that like you'd bring balloons for your friends, like never had that happen. Um, stuff like that. But then at the same time, never have to go to work, never have to go to school. Like, you know, so it's like a kind of an exchange. You grew up kind of feeling that way for sure. Oh, all the time. It was always just like, happy new year. Um, I think I'm a little bit more luckier just because I am in January <laughs> and I'm significantly like later than the new year. Right. So, um, and, but for me, I think it's, I don't know if it's because I give myself so much pressure, but it's not only just like new year, new me, you know, the new year's resolution thing that yeah. we're going to talk about a little bit later today, but also the fact that like, who am I now that I'm, mm. you know, 33, who mm. am I now that, you know, I've, I've passed 30. Like I remembered, like I always challenged myself by reinventing myself and yeah. trying to define what that reinvention meant to me. Right. But now it's just like. I think we could all sort of resonate with the fact that this year we sort of all spent our year inside. Mm. So for 32, it just sort of meant that I was inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't really remember any. I mean, there are things that happened and really great things that happened. But in a way, I don't know if you feel like because I feel this way that I'm I, I'm overreacting and underreacting to everything. Interesting. OK, how so? I think because everyone's so honed in on what it is that you're doing, people are sort of policing other people's actions mm. with everything that's sort of happening this year. Are you taking this thing seriously? Are you not? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're taking it too seriously. Like, mm. like, and, and then you're not taking it seriously. And then there's the protests, right? And it's like, are you doing enough? Are you not doing enough? Yeah. I feel like everybody is watching it because everyone is on social media. No, totally. Because everybody is inside, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think we don't know how to actually react because there's so many sentiments online and there's so many sentiments we agree or disagree with. But even across that agreement or disagreement within that like side of the argument, there's so many broken open arguments as well. Yes. You know, and so it's difficult to like, you know, know how much action to take or how much safety to uphold or how much safety to let slide. You know, I was like talking to my sister-in-law and she's um, she's a teacher at a charter school up in like Simi Valley. And basically every action up there is turning COVID into a political statement. Oh, my God. You know, whether or not to yeah. celebrate for the teachers, um, like a teacher's office party. And it's her first year being a teacher. So part of her was like, well, I should probably be there because I'm a, like, I'm a, I'm a new teacher at this school. I want to, you know, curry favor. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be breaking, like going against science, you know? So these are mm -hmm. the kind of like 
internal interior battles that we're all fighting. Um, and right. it's really intense because one, I like, I know you and I both agree this country has not had good leadership on it. And I think that has caused more anxiety than less anxiety in a lot of us, you know? Um, and right. it's also um, really like the media has really given a voice to people who dissent and who don't agree with the scientists. You know, we've given a platform and a voice to that in a way that I don't think we should have with a literal pandemic raging. You know, it's very complex. It's very complicated. And I, I don't think any of us are really ready to reflect on it fully until it's over, which may not be for another six months even though the vaccine is here it's not going to be here in a volume that's going to make a big enough difference for this to actually be done there was something that i read um earlier this week that somebody was talking about how this year sort of gave rise to the uh to anti-intellectualism where people's ignorance is valued just as much or given as enough of a platform as those who actually do research and like for those who actually do the studies you know what I mean it's like that ignorance level is like my ignorance is just as powerful as this and is just as validated which is a very fucking scary thing you know what I mean like my feeling is just as important as your knowledge which is which is quite terrifying you know my feeling of understanding like Dunning-Kruger effect right like my feeling of knowledge my feeling of knowing this is more important than your like years of research and degrees and like you know jumping through hoops in academia all of that my feeling that i know this is 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 more important than your actual knowledge and wisdom you know and even i think this week someone came out it was the trashiest piece of of opinion um oh, journalism i know I'd exactly ever what you're talking about can, can wall street journal how could they even fucking publish can that? they just sink themselves like that no, is seriously. fucking ridiculous but they came like they allowed a piece to be published saying that Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden should drop the doctor in her title because she's never, I guess, delivered a baby or did heart surgery. But it's like, fuck you. She has studied so hard to get a fucking PhD. What have you done for me lately? And that guy, uh, apparently looking into it, only has a a bachelor's degree. Nothing wrong with a bachelor's degree. I only have a bachelor's degree. But if you're calling somebody out for their hard earned PhD, you best be in a position where you are you you have the gall to fucking say that you know what i mean but no like it's sexist um it's it's fucking ridiculous and it's embarrassing it's honestly embarrassing it's like the same thing that i was talking about it's like that ignorance is given such a huge platform yeah right and it's it's so misogynistic allowing other people who agree with him you know to be able to amplify their voices on the situation as well which is just like so backwards yeah held those views tacitly but now they're allowed to say them aloud you know in company it's just crazy but anyways we do have some good news priscilla do you want to share with everybody what our good news is that we just found out like yesterday because it's like so humbling oh my god it's so humbling um okay so we got nominated for the asian podcast awards and the the award we were nominated for is Best host. Best host. Honestly, we just want to give big props to Jerry Wan, who runs the Asian Podcast um, Awards and Summit. And like, it was just such an honor to be nominated. We find out, I think, later this month. But come on, like to say that, like, we just started this, you know, we had our season one up and for us to be recognized on this level is just so humbling. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you know, we're out here just doing our thing and, and, you know, we're just doing it for you guys. Um, and, and ourselves, honestly, you know, we have things to share and, and I'm just so glad that it is 
being received well, you know, that we're putting out a product that is worth listening to. And um, and we're really grateful for that. So we'll see if we win. But either way, getting top like we're one of three nominees. And so that's Mm -hmm. a great position to be in. Um, And we're we're really proud of our fellow podcasters and are really grateful that we're all continuing to share our stories and um, fingers crossed, you know, if you guys want to join, I know this is a little late now, but you can join the Asian podcast um, network on Facebook and just kind of stay tuned with what's going on in the Asian podcast sphere. Cause we got to support one another. You know what I'm saying? It's all about community, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So uh, Prisca, I want to play a little game. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Let's play the 2020 review rapid fire oh my God. hot seat game. How about we ping pong each other? Okay. Like, like we, I ask you a question, you answer, you ask me a question, okay. I answer and let's see how fast it could, this could go. Oh okay, my God. Ready? Is it weird that my palms are sweaty? <laughs> okay. I, my palms are also sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. All okay, right. Here, here we, go. we go. And three, two, one. Biggest accomplishment. Um, 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 finding an apartment on Craigslist and living there for a year. It was a big accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, what was a fear that you overcame? Um, 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 uh, 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 shit. Uh, 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 shit. <laughs> what am I afraid of? Um, um, isolation. Isolation. <laughs> Ooh, bitch. What, what was the year you envisioned versus, versus the one that transpired? Go. Bitch, I thought we were going to be like Brooklynites being all cool and like hipster uh-huh, as uh-huh. shit, like living in fucking Williamsburg and whatever. Uh-huh, but no, uh-huh. uh, we fucking fled a pandemic, <laughs> came here and the pandemic raged over here. But I guess the one that transpired is one in which I faced a lot of my demons, overcame uh-huh. a lot of my doubts of myself, um, yeah. and, you know, uh, honestly, worked on my marriage. So, fuck. Yes! <laughs> you know? uh, when you're for that. running around all the time, you don't always have time to work on your marriage. But are you left with more or less hope? At the end of 2020. Um, I am left with more hope, but also taking out with a grain of salt because I know how people can be and then people are going to be super hopeful that this vaccine is going to solve everything, yep. which it's not going to. Right. So we're going to have to proceed with caution. You know what okay. I mean? As me, Roxy on brand, as the joyful cynic, okay, I am very hopeful, but I also know that as human yes. beings, we are all kind of stupid. So I'm still straddling that sphere. You know what I mean? But as of now, more hope because we have um, Biden and Kamala Harris like in yes. the White House. Yeah, uh, that's something to look forward to very much so. Okay, last question. What hidden strength did this crazy ass year uncover? I think what it uncovered was just my own ability to go through the shit, you know, to climb through the muck and still come out and I'm alive and I um you know, you could take a shower, but you can go through the mud, you know, and it's not a big it's not as terrifying as I thought, like literally every everything that could go wrong this year went wrong for so many of us. Um, mm-hmm. But we made it through. And I would say I feel more mentally competent than I ever have been. And I'm just happier with myself, to be to be honest. Um, I'm not chasing as many things. I'm just more comfortable in my own skin. Um, and if I can turn that question on you, since it's our last question in this rapid fire, what hidden strengths did this crazy ass year uncover for you? You know what? Um, going off of what you said, I would have to say that my hidden strength is existence. Ooh. Because Ooh, the thing girl. is that, like, I think, you know, so much of us are driven to find purpose in this life, driven to find meaning, driven to find whatever. But what if our meaning yeah. was just to exist, to experience, wow. to, to you know, face conflict, to overcome it, to face our demons and our, our deepest fears, but just to know that humans are adaptable and that we're able to always 
get through it, yeah. you know, yeah. is like the biggest, most amazing, but also overlooked strength that we have. Mm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can get used to anything. I mean, just yeah. if you have dirty laundry in your room, like you might be upset about it for a little bit, but after a little bit, your nose gets used to it and you forget it's there. So it's like, <laughs> that's how adaptable we are. A hundred percent. I mean, that's complacency. <laughs> that's something else. But I think, <laughs> but, but I think it's, it's biologically it's, true that you're, you almost go nose blind because your brain forces you to forget or to ignore. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so I think, you know, I think um, we used to define our lives by big moments mm. and we were so afraid of losing those big moments this year. Yeah. We were so afraid of that. But now I just embrace the day to day and oh my I'm so much happier too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in ways that I never thought I could be before. So yeah. thank you for playing that rapid fire game. Thank, that was really fun. That was invigorating. Starting that game. That was really like enthralling. <laughs> thank <laughs> My you. My blood thank is pumping. You. I'm sweating in all the right places. I'm ready to go. Well, Priscilla, do you want to tell everybody what you and I are doing or have been doing oh in my this gosh. month? Yes. Okay. So Roxy and I are um, making big moves. And I mean that in the most literal sense, we are <laughs> both moving into new yes. spaces. Um, Roxy is currently in her new space. I'm moving in about 10 days, um, which yes. is crazy. Um, Roxy, tell us, tell the people, because I, I mean, this is the craziest story, honestly, but like, tell the people about your new space. Okay. So I just moved into my new apartment two days ago and like literally my decision to move was only like a week prior to that so like um i think i was telling priscilla and i think i was mentioning on the podcast to all of you goatees that like when i was in utah i had a dishwasher Mm. right and then i was (laughs) like wow i should really ask for more from life because i've been living in the studio apartment for three years now i love it it's like tiny home living and that was really great and but during the quarantine i was like stuck in this little space this 500 square foot space and then it wasn't until that I had the opportunity to go out to Utah where production put me up in like Mm. this really nice house and I was like why am I not allowing myself to ask for more? So I, you know, I was telling Priscilla, I was like, you know what? I just really think I should move Mm. after, after I come back. And it wasn't anything serious. I came back. I forgot what happened in Utah. Like I mentioned on the podcast as well. And I was just acclimating back to my normal lifestyle. And then, um, one day I was paying my rent and then I saw that like, you know, rent, rent was going down because of COVID all across Los Angeles. So I went to my building manager. I was like, yo, Maria. I was like, hey, uh, I saw that there's like a one bedroom or like something that's around the same price range. Like I would really like that. Yeah. And I love the view from my apartment. I would pay money for the view like that. I would much rather have a smaller space with a great view than to have a big space and be on the first or second floor. But I was willing to downgrade. I was willing to go to like the seventh floor or the fifth floor or something for bigger space. And then she was, she didn't respond to me for like yeah. a couple of days. And I was like, what is going on? And then she called me and she's like, Roxy, mm-hmm. I have something for you and you're going to lose your <laughs> shit. And I'm like, what is it? Right. And then she took me, I live on the 11th floor. Yeah. So she took me to this corner unit on the 11th floor, which has a 180 view Stop. of Los Angeles. And then um, it's like three times the size Oh my of my God. studio apartment. Yes. And it has so much sunlight and it is gorgeous. And she's like, this is literally the best unit in the entire building. And she's like, and 
it's roughly the same price oh right now as your God. studio apartment. And I was like, when is it available? It's newly renovated. Everything is new. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Fucking count me in. I'm yes. fucking moving. Oh, my God. So, like, she prorated everything. I didn't have to submit my bank statements or anything because it's all roughly the same thing. It was <sighs> such an easy process. I just moved down the hall, you know. Oh, my God. Literally just scooted your shit down the hall. I just scooted my shit <laughs> down the hall. And now I am, like, living in this, like, I wake up and I see, like, the Hollywood Hills view, like, oh my from God. my bedroom and then i go out into my living room and there's all of this south the the southern sphere of los angeles as well as downtown and like this joy like yesterday was my first full day like working from home and i have never felt such joy and i was like do i deserve this you know like yeah somewhere in me i'm like do i deserve this and finally in my heart i said yes i do i do deserve this fuck yes fuck yes you've worked so hard you've put everything you give so much love into the world you give so much love into every person you work with or that you're friends with i mean this is just this is you in your 30s bitch like you deserve oh my god like you straight up deserve like priscilla like i think just yesterday i was lying in bed in my new bedroom like i'm not like in the, in the same living bedroom. room bedroom yeah, like i actually have a bedroom kitchen. yeah and, yeah and then i was thinking about even further back i was thinking about like living in reno you know like yeah. you know with rochelle and greg and i was living you know and i just i just thought to myself like would i have ever imagined that this would be the space that i would be living in now at 32 and i'm like no fucking way like when we were Who in mental am i yeah yes in our like no shady ass way. place <laughs> and that i could afford this all on my own yeah. that it's my own money that it's like my own thing like i got this on my own on my own credit like yes that's a huge glow up you know like that a that's something to be proud up. of yeah 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 and and i can't wait for all the things you're gonna do in this new space you know and so how did how did that feel energetically like because i know you did like a farewell ritual can you tell me a little bit more about that um so you know marie kondo uh i think she bases a lot of her practices on shintoism right Mm -hmm. and it's a lot about like when before she goes in and cleans out a space she like thanks the space for like nurturing her and taking care of her and i think that is so beautiful and um you know it is emotional because it's a parting of a certain chapter it's it's a breaking of a relationship or the ending of a relationship and like this space and and I have something to say too. So sort of going along with this is that on December twenty first, which is coming up in a couple of days, yeah, um, Saturn's finally moving out of Capricorn. Oh. So Capricorn is our sign, right? And so if you ever wondered why Priscilla in the past three years, three years, you feel like you struggled so fucking much that you worked so hard and that you were going through major shit. Yeah, this is the reason why because Saturn is the planet of like structure and of hard work, oh. and it's been in our sign for the past three years and finally on the 21st it is moving into aquarius fucking finally so so that's why next year astrology says that like big things will happen to us because like we finally get a break from everything so if you're wondering why it's been particularly difficult the past three years for you it's because of that oh my god (laughs) so then so and and it's so true because ever since 2017 remember i told you that's when i found my spiritual awakening i like was failing in career personal life like everything was falling apart and I just moved into this new space. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? But then my relationship with that studio apartment was that it nurtured me and I grew in it. And like, I, 
I elevated as a director. I elevated as a person. I found tarot. You know, I discovered my psychic abilities. I discovered my ability to reach people and nurture myself. And even though I didn't love this space when I moved in, I I grew to love it, you know. So after I moved everything out, I sat with the space without anything in it. And I just thanked it. Yeah. For just being there and nourishing me for this certain chapter in my life. And, you know, the people that were there or anyone that came through energetically, like adding their element to this space as well. And so it's a farewell to that. You know what I mean? Do you find that you tend to get pretty attached to spaces? I want to say it's like the space that made you. Mm. Because that was the space I moved in at 30. And it was like my first chapter of my 30s was living alone by myself. Um, And it's small, you know, it's sort of kind of metaphoric. It's like you're you're just a seed. And and I honestly don't think that women really find themselves until they turn 30. Like, that's honestly what I believe. And um, and that was the first chapter of that journey of mine. And now it's like I just came into this new space, which honestly has never felt more nourishing and healing for me and I already know it's going to give me more blessings so it's like you know just yesterday we discovered like after my one day that we moved in we discovered we got a nomination I got a job offer in Toronto yes bitch yeah it's just coming at you so it's already it's already doing stuff you know so I think overall I am just so happy I I gave grace and gratitude for the chapters I'm closing And so that was pretty significant when I said goodbye to my old space. Wow. And I know like going to that new space, it was like leaving an old relationship. Yep. It was, it was just like a new chapter for you to start fresh. And, and that was the space that you did a lot of growing. And the, uh, the truth of the matter is you outgrew that space and Mm -hmm. now you are in like, you know, kind of how like a hermit crab will outgrow its shell and then it'll move to the next one. You know, you deserve every bit of this. So n- n- if if there's ever a voice in your head, like, and I know that you have positive voices in your head, but if there's ever an inkling of doubt, I just want to let you know, like, th- this is just the next space that your soul is meant to inhabit. Yes, I completely agree with that. So I am just so happy. And speaking of like a hermit growing out of its shell, <laughs> you and Abe yeah. are also like moving to a house yes. now in Chino. Yes. Out of this apartment in Los Feliz and making the big journey to the Serbs. The suburbs are calling our name and we are answering the call. Um, you know, so this is our sixth move in two years. Holy shit. Yeah. Sixth move. So we first moved from L.A. to Ashland and then Ashland down to San Diego and then San Diego to New York. And then from New York, we moved into like it was a short time, but we moved into like a Airbnb for about a month and like like maybe just over a month. And then we Mm -hmm. moved into this apartment, which we've been at since um, April. So. Um, This will be our sixth move. And that kind of feels crazy because we've been in and out of sublets or theater housing. Um, And so I think my mindset has has definitely been one of, you know, make do with what you have. Um, It's definitely been like a scarcity mindset and also like don't buy too much stuff because we're going to have to hightail it out of here and it's going to be a lot of effort Um, because I think when we moved to Ashland I made the mistake of like settling in too much into that house and leaving became 
such a fucking burden and hassle um, because we had put up artwork and, you know, ordered half our wedding registry. And so um, that was a really difficult kind of um, almost like whiplash. It has been a a full year of feeling untethered. Even visiting L.A., I was sleeping on, you know, not couches, but I was sleeping in friends' uh, spare bedrooms. Um, My friend Marissa, I I basically use dog sitting as a way to um, have a place to stay in L.A., you know. Um, And so my friend Marissa, um, I stayed at her place for a very long time. She was very gracious and watched her three pups for a a number of weeks. Um, Our friends John and Beth housed us during last year's holiday. Mm-hmm. Part of what I keep, I think made it tough and not tough, but I've talked about my parents having um, foreign exchange students. You know, they have, I think, four or five kids right now. Um, it was tough to come back to L.A. and not be able to stay with my parents because there's no room. And and there were nights that I, I slept in my sister's bedroom, but it wasn't really the same because there wasn't really a space for me. And it was just like overcrowded, you know. And I think that was kind of very untethering as well. And so it just felt like we had no home. We had no place to really set down roots. Um, Everything was up in the air, which is fine. And it was fun. Um, It was fun to be spontaneous. It was fun to be on the move. It was fun to be kind of like this vagabond um, group of people that we were traveling with, these actors. But coming back to L.A. and not feeling like, you know, running from a pandemic, running back towards community and not having like a home to go to, because a lot of people were like shelter at home. Like, it's great to be home. Like, you know, being home is so wonderful. But to kind of have been displaced during this time um, was honestly mentally very challenging. It was hard to to want to settle into a home because we had just been ripped out, plucked out of New York and plucked out of all these places. So it was hard to even have the mindset of wanting to settle. Um, and it was always, you know, this is a sublet. So we, we've been pretty much going month to month. So the stress of that, um, we could get kicked out at any time. They could raise the rent at any time. There's really no um, control. We didn't know how long the pandemic was going to rage on. We didn't know if we should sign a lease if the pandemic ended and we had to go on. Anyway, there was all this constant doubt and anxiety. And so we are moving to a house in Chino um, and it, it's because my parents bought it for um, for like their church, for church gatherings. Again, my dad's a pastor. Um, my mom is, is a youth pastor, minister, um, pastor's wife. And so church is kind of the center of everything that they do. And so they bought this house, I think, three years ago in Chino, and it's been used for a lot of church gatherings. But because of COVID, it's been empty all year. My mom has been gracious enough to, you know, if we help cover some of the mortgage for Abe and I to move into there just by ourselves in this like five bedroom. It's like four bedroom with like a giant bonus room with a backyard and a full kitchen and a washing machine. Like talk about little luxuries. Like we like we we, there's going to be a washing machine. There's going to be a a dishwasher. Um, Oh, my God. You you have literally everything I want. It's it's (laughs) literally like it's it's a real house in the suburbs and we're paying. Uh, kind of like you the same amount that we're paying for a one bedroom here um, Mm -hmm. in which we are literally on top of each other Um, and so uh, honestly I know it's a huge blessing but it being me I have a lot of anxiety about it I'm very daunted with setting up a home because I have found that that is a very stressful endeavor I am nervous about leaving community I am nervous um to be away from all the food spots, although we are down the street from an 85 degree and a 99 ranch. So I will survive. <laughs> I will be fine. Um, it's not Ashland, but I think some of the Ashland um, anxieties are 
are hitting me. You know what I mean? And I, I want to like the house. I want to set up a home. Um, but I don't know how long we want to stay there. So I, and I'm nervous about spending too much money or too little money, but I have to focus on the positives. And so I'm going to do that here and now, because y'all have to hold me to this because when we move in 10 days, I will be a wreck. And so I need to like, know that these are the positives. Um, we have outdoor space so we can have people over safely, like, you know, when it's safer. Abe can set up the studio of his dreams. So that is really cool. There's an entire back bonus room with an upright piano already in there. Um, and Abe is going to set up, tune the room, get his drums going. He's going to set up a whole studio, which is great. I can set up an office and a little podcast studio area so we can, you know what I mean? Just start taking everything we're doing to the next level. But it scares me because I think when you have limitations, you also kind of have a very, very valid excuse for your work to stay at a certain level for, you know, this the mentality of like, this is the best I can do here. And honestly, well, actually, yeah. I think it's interesting because like there's something so significant about you moving to a house in Chino because it's a homecoming of a yes. sorts because it's right next to Pomona and Walnut after you've been vagabonding with Abe right after your wedding yeah. for two years. Yeah. So it's like your marriage with Abe has been so far your experience has been sort of nomadic and like on this adventure with him and like struggling with him. But now coming to this house in the suburbs where you grew up, yeah. like there's like, how does that feel to like, feel like you have to take adulting to another level? Are you afraid? Yeah. You, you know, cause it's like coming back and, and what is it like to come back to a space after all this experiences? And like, so true. You know, I think like if this happened a year ago, I would have thought it was a failure and that's more to do with me than anything else. But because there is nothing wrong with it, but it just in my mind, in my life, I would have viewed it as a failure because I had spent so long running from my parents and their religion. I had spent mm -hmm. so long running away from basically a life in which I was restricted from everything. But it doesn't mean that I didn't love growing up in Walnut. It's just Walnut represents, you know, my parents and my restrictions and my fears and this mm -hmm. wall of fear that was built around me by my parents, by my mom, you know, for, for protection, for because of love. But I was I've been running from that my whole adult life. I think what the 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 pandemic has done is one it's helped me prioritize and also like set down some of my pride. Um a lot of my pride, I guess, you know? And I was actually surprised because Abe was the one who was open to it more so than I was. Like when they offered this thing to us, I was like, "No, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to find our own apartment. We're going to find our own thing, you know, do our like go your own way type of shit." But Abe was like, honestly, it's a pandemic. And where can we set up a full on studio? Like, you know what I mean? In it, during this time, there's just no way that we're going to find a place where I can set up a full drum set and play at full volume um, and, and record and, and, and get work from it. So it kind of put things in perspective to me. The fact that who am I to reject an opportunity just out of my own pride and out of my own need to run? And honestly, like everyone I was telling about this, everyone I was telling my anxieties to, I just kept, you know, starting every sentence with like, I'm being a brat. I'm being such a brat. I'm being, I'm being unreasonable, but I also need to 
acknowledge the feelings that I'm having and kind of hold them and examine them and know when and what to let go when, uh, where, you know what I mean? I have to let go of some of these reservations that I have um, because I'm afraid to be quote unquote in business with my parents um, because I'm uncomfortable with going full circle back into um, a location that I grew up in. I, I have to let go of these things and also recognize it's not permanent, but this is a wonderful time to be closer to family. This is a wonderful time to have a safe haven to hold up, hold up in. Um, whether the pandemic continues for six more months or two more years, we will have a place that we can call home. And um, so all of my reservations aside, at the bottom of everything, that is a truth, you know? Do you imagine... Like, I know you're saying this is your plan for now, but do you also see yourself potentially holding up there permanently? I don't know. I don't know. My mom, we talked the other day and she's like, you know, this house really grows on you because it's kind of like a Frankenstein house. You know, it was a, it was like a suburban house that they had a, like made additions to and renovations here, but not there. So it's kind of like a Frankenstein feeling house. It's um, it's a little bit odd, you know, but my mom was mm -hmm. like, it grows on you. It's a good space, you know, and I as annoyed as I get of my mom from time to time, like I trust her with vibe, you know, she, she's just very keyed into that type of thing. And, and, um, that's honestly important to me because I get very attached to spaces. So maybe mm -hmm. part of my hesitation is maybe I'm afraid I'll get too attached, um, yeah. and not be able to leave. Maybe I'm afraid I'll yeah. get too comfortable, um, and not be up for another round of vagabonding. You know, I think a lot of it is things that I have to reckon within myself. And I think I felt uncomfortable because the second I told people they were like, Oh, when's the pregnancy announcement? And I was like, God fucking yeah, damn see, it. That's the thing. Like if you move back to the suburbs and you're back to a certain type of community, yeah. then it's like the expectations of adulting sort of revert back to what you grew up with. Right. And True. I think what you're telling me right now in terms of what you're struggling with is that society has sort of, and especially in our generation, yeah. forced us to identify and give ourselves an own narrative mm. of stripping away the identity we grew up with to create our own. And that's why you were like, yeah. if this was a year ago, I would consider myself a failure because I'm we're going back to a place after I've unlearned certain things yeah. and after, but you're bigger than that. You know what I mean? Like you see, you understand the bigger picture. And so for you to say like, Oh, I don't want to, I still wanted to find things my own way before Abe was like, Oh, but actually the pandemic still happening. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's being a brat at all. I think it's because you've, you've gone, you know, you've worked on yourself and created a narrative for yourself right. that it's like, you don't want to betray that. Uh, right. Yes. Yes. I, I think that that really rings true. While there's a lot I do need to work on in myself, I do have to acknowledge that it is part of that determination, you know, yeah. but I think at the end of the day, what this pandemic has taught me, uh, us, all of us, and what also living in Ashland taught me was that you can make anything happen from anywhere, you know, like we've mm -hmm. made this podcast literally happen from our own like living rooms, you know, um, it, it's not a certain place or a city that defines what you can and can't do. And I think this is putting that realization to the test, you know, and, and I'm going to miss the energy of the city. I'm going to miss being closer to some of my friends, but I'm also going to appreciate the quiet and the ability to, again, like we were saying at the beginning of the pod, like not to be chasing anything, but just to be mm -hmm. existing where and yes. when we are, you know? Yes. A hundred percent. I think like, 
come to think a little bit deeper about it, like, mm-hmm. I moved around so much when I was younger. Like, yeah. I never gave acknowledgement to space yeah. or that it held any meaning to me. And you, on the other hand, you lived mm. in Walnut in that house of yours. I love that house so much, you know, for the majority of, yeah. like, your youth through high school, through everything. And, like, and then you started nomading and I started settling. You know what I mean? Right. And it's kind of like a It's swap. kind of interesting, yeah, we, we did a sort of yeah. like this swap thing. And for me, you know, I used to, and I still am this person. I think it's because I was conditioned this way where in the past I was just like, oh, moving, I'm going to let it go. New cycle, let it go. Yeah. New cycle, redefine myself, make new friends. Like, it's okay. I could let go really easily. But now, because I'm getting older, <laughs> I think I'm being more tender. Yeah. And I want to like acknowledge, you know, every chapter and like, it did protect you. This space did bless you. This space it's did true. bless our podcast, you know? And it's like, there's so much meaning here. That space will never nourish you again. Mm. That's like 10 days left that you have in this space. You yeah. know, appreciate every moment of it. it, right? it you're right. I, I think it's definitely a type of mourning, you know, because yeah. this space, this this little Los Feliz apartment kept us safe during a storm, you know, kept yes. us alive kept us healthy i pretty much moved around every four years growing up which wasn't Mm -hmm. that often but it wasn't that little right so i lived Mm -hmm. in like four or five places before i moved to college um and every time i you know me um i just read this term about dogs that velcro i'm like that i velcro to people (laughs) and places and i get very attached very easily which is probably why I'm dragging my feet on accepting this change because I'm not ready to let go of this life, of this identity, of this physical space, you know? I'm not ready to let go. And I think that that really helps put it in perspective because every house we moved out of, I would find some doorway and hold on to it and whisper things to the house, um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous so now. But like eight, like four year old Priscilla, the first videotape I've seen of myself and I'm four years old and they're like, what do you miss right now? And I'm like the brick house. And, and then like when I'm, you know, 11 or 12 and I'm like, I miss our old home. I miss our Bartlett house. You know, all these things like I'm so attached. And even if I think about it so much now, I'll get teary eyed because you're right. These spaces, they offer more to us. Um, than we ever will to them. And I think, I think, you know, I, this is a pretty, pretty cliched quote, but I think I remember in um, Gilmore Girls when Lorelai Gilmore buys the dragonfly in and she's like, for a short period of time, we get to be part of its life. And I 100% resonate with that feeling. This building has a long lived life. And, you know, when we went to Cambridge, I think we recognized that more so than ever. It was like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty new building. You know, it was like built in like the 1100s. And I'm like, new? <laughs> like what? So literally like the context of like the life of these physical spaces, like far reaching beyond what, what yes. we can ever, you know, um, yes. hope to live um, it yes. is humbling. No, it's, it's really I don't know why this is coming to me, but like the giving tree, you know what I mean? It's like, it would just, the space will continue to give. Yeah. And like, I, um, I remembered when I was doing my goodbye ritual to mm. my old spot, I just said, the last thing I said was, please bless the next tenant here mm. with the same blessings you gave me, you know, because it's like, 
you know, when I was 19, I went back to Rotterdam and I went back to that house I, I, yeah. I was born in and that I grew up in and seeing it was so different, but I still remembered my energy going through this space, you know, like right. that's sort of always permanent, like the energy, there's still going to be a part of you that's still there. And I love how this is, you know, this topic started off as, oh yeah, big moves, big changes. And it became a dialogue about our relationship with spaces. It's true. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm just thinking about this now. It's a slight tangent before we move on to the next topic, but I think it's interesting with Asian Americans because a lot of unless you're like in an army family, you know, then it's different. But a lot of moving is actually because of upward mobility. Not always. Mm -hmm. But in my family, it it was I'm sure in your family, it was it has to do with upward mobility. But emotionally, it doesn't make it any easier. But for our parents, you know, I think it was difficult for them to accept that I was having trouble with the moves because every house we moved to was bigger. You know, it went from a tiny little house to like moving in with my grandma to like having our own house to a bigger house to a bigger house. You know, for them, it was like they wanted to provide so much for us. And I think that's it's like twofold. I think one, I'm coming to appreciate that more and more as an adult. But two, I think that, you know, our parents didn't know how to handle all of our emotions that we were experiencing during a move like that having to make new friends, even though it's like the top school district, you know, it it still doesn't change like the on the ground experience for us. So I feel like we have to accept that in twofold. No, that is so true. It's always associated with improvements or, you know, another step up. If it's not bigger, then it's more modern, that it's newer, that it's something that, you know, and I I don't know, maybe in the future I would have to downgrade again, you know, or I will go through something where I would not always be upgrading. And we have to give ourselves the grace to mm-hmm. be okay with that for ourselves and for how we're seen, you know, right. because our ego like takes up so much of it where mm-hmm. it like sort of blinds us to, it's just a space that nourishes you, right? Yeah. Like it's here to protect you as you're going through what it is that you're going through. 100%. So I think that was super beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Prisca. Thank you for sharing yours too. And if you guys have a big move coming up or have experienced a big move, please send us a voice note or email us at hello at two horny goats.com. Uh, we want to hear your stories and we want to hear if any of this resonates with you. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Hi, goatees. We love hanging out with you every week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot, and we will be eternally grateful. Okay, bye! Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we broached talking about relationship with spaces and big moves happening for both mm. me and Prisca at the end of 2020. And now we're going to be looking forward to the future yeah. uh, 2021. So, hey, Prisca, are yeah. you somebody who always does new year's resolutions do you do that kind of thing you know i used to i think do it just because everyone was doing it you know remember when yeah. like it was like a facebook chain where it was like copy your <laughs> 10 and like tag 10 people um yeah. and that was about how seriously i took it um but <laughs> honestly resolutions give me a lot of anxiety <laughs> cute yeah um and, <laughs> and especially when they have to do with like fitness like I always drop off or like you know diet I always drop off um but I think what my life coach has been working on w- with me and I think you know if this is inspiring to you and in in, it will inspire you to, to do this in any way I think it's great is that she's just helping me set my overall life vision 
mm-hmm. not just for the year, but for like 80 year old Priscilla, if I'm so lucky to live that long, looking back on my life, what would I have liked to, what would I have liked my arc to have followed? You know, not even like, what would I have liked to accomplish, but what direction did my life take? Um, mm-hmm. What movement did I create? You know, mm-hmm. you know, when you kind of, when you punch the air, you move the air around you, you know, what, what is the um, effect that you have? And, yes. um, and so I think that's interesting because it's both more big picture and it's less daunting and it's also pertains to very small things you know it's almost like when you go crabbing when you pick crabs you have to measure it against the thing to to see whether you can keep it or not and I think it's similar to that when options come to you when you have decisions to make you can read it against your life vision and just kind of determine whether it's a yes or no and um it, it does this align with my vision is more so what I've been trying to do. How about you? Do you set resolutions? Do you write lists? I know you manifest, but how, how does that look in terms of the new year? Um, you know, I think in the past, uh, because, you know, I think my mom influenced me so much. And it's that thing that I was talking about earlier in this episode, where it's about just like always improving, always achieving, yeah. always being better. But better by what means? Mm. You know what I mean? Is it like better by material means? Like better by checking off a fucking like checklist and then like showing it to people and announcing it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, you know, I used to do resolutions. I never met them. Not one. You know, not ever. It will be stupid shit. Like, I'm going to win a big award this year. I'm going to win. But but it's it's like, it's so hollow. I mean, I'm going to lose 25 pounds this year. It's so hollow. It's, I'm going to do five movies or whatever. But, but, but like, it always felt empty to me. Yeah. And, like, I am... Um, I've been reading this um, this book, uh, and it's uh, th- I'm following this podcaster and this like life coach guy. His name is Case Kenny. I'm going to talk about him in my unsolicited picks Ooh, cool. later today. But he uh, he talks about clout versus clouds, and mm. he's like, "What do we work for in life? Clout, right? It's like getting that career, getting that partner, getting yeah. that whatever that you want, right? But it's material, mm. right? It's like just material. Once you get it, now what?" a hundred thousand dollar salary okay once i get that three hundred thousand dollar salary wow right Mm -hmm. but then he's like but clouds clouds is like being able to think bigger daring to dream bigger than that like what fills you up like your happiness like your overall like direction Mm. right what means something to you and he's like this is bigger than purpose this is bigger than this is your existence right which is something i've been vibing with hardcore recently because i'm like yeah i mean once i get that it's sort of like an addiction Mm. like i realize once i reach a certain clout check mark Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i just set the next goalpost for the next level and then you don't even take time to relish in it almost and the time that i relish in it is becoming shorter and shorter interesting yep you know, I'll get an award nowadays. I'm like, oh, cool. I guess I could post about it, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, it it's becoming hollower. Like, it doesn't fill me with as much joy. And so... Because it doesn't actually enrich your life in any way. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And you remember when you were talking about, like, um, finding your mission statement? Yes. Yeah. Finding your raison d'etre, right? <laughs> your reason for being. And, like, that you finally nailed it with Yannicka, mm, right? Yeah. And like that gave you so much clarity about what direction you were going to dedicate your life towards. And, and for me, I was like, yes, I think my energy is probably my most precious, Mm. um, asset, I guess, if you could even call it that, but it's like, 
I know that I have the ability to shift energy and like I could make something that's like negative or tense into something that's lighthearted and loving. And like, I think that is something that really goes down to my intention and, you know, tarot readings, you know, they've been off the hook recently because it's the end of the year. I've been doing two to three a day. Mm. And I, this brings me more day to day reward than, you know, I love filmmaking, but it's like that connection and knowing that I'm feeding someone and someone's feeding me in that nourishing, abundant way is what gives my life so much meaning yeah. and gives wow. me the ability to sit in my present existence and like the most beautiful way. Hmm. I don't know if I answered the question. No, I think that's so beautiful. And I think it's important to recognize that as human beings in the past 100, 200 years, we've really developed this idea of like a career path, attaching your identity to your occupation, um, doing, having it all, doing so many things, keeping Mm -hmm. a household, um, getting a nice car, getting a nice job, holding a nice job, knowing the right people. This is like a new concept. Like, yes. like 200 years ago, yeah, you had like a job, but it was like, it, that's what your family did and you weren't really expected to do anything outside of that. There wasn't this idea of like social pressure to like achieve in huge ways. Like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously there's always been ambitious people, but just historically how that looked like was so different from how it is today. And while like we can improve our station in life in a way that's never been possible before, it makes sense that like we've become detached from our humanity. You know, we've become detached from like allowing. I think it's perceived, especially by Asian Americans, as a weakness when you and I even feel it because I'm such a touchy feely person. I know that when I'm in a group of all Asian American high achieving like doctors and lawyers at which I'm playing at their gala, you know. I'm aware that when I'm with them, I might bring up things as a topic of conversation that just do not pair well with their um, mindset. And I, I, I get it, you know, cause I myself often have this self-hatred of like, Oh, you're just being weak. But as we've gotten older, as I've met kindred spirits like you, I understand that it's not a weakness um, to mm-hmm. dwell. It's not a weakness to overthink. It's not a weakness to get hurt by things and feel sensitive it, it is a strength and it can be wielded just in a different manner and maybe not with a degree, you know? I think before we sort of were in hiding. Mm-hmm. I mean, this community of us that wanted to have more internal dialogue and like be able to bring more mental and emotional health to the surface. Yeah. But whereas before it's like, if I did continue to set my high achieving standards to myself yeah. and if I ever dare to have an internal dialogue where it's like, I'm not happy, mm-hmm. the, the logical mind would be like, would slap my hand and be like, you're so nope. freaking lucky and <laughs> yeah. you're so blessed and you know, you have everything. So why are you even sad? Yeah. Why are you sad? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't even be sad. You, should just you study. have a problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like, we're not allowing access to that part of ourselves. And what I love about this generation and why I'm so thankful to be a part of this generation and this time now is that like, yes, Asian Americans, we are creating space to be able to speak more openly about this. Thank fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it all started with YouTube. It all started with like having influencers or like, you know, having people daring to speak out on their platform in an authentic manner. Yeah. Um, 
And I, um, I just think it's, we're so lucky to have that, you know, we really are. Yeah. And I'm glad that on TikTok, there's an entire mental health, like TikTok, you know what I mean? Emotional health, TikTok, like it's so important. And I'm so glad you're right. I think we are evolving. And, um, I think Gen Z is like taking the baton of like, we've gone this far. We've gotten to a point where we're comfortable talking about our feelings. I think they're taking it to the next level where they're empowering and, um, disseminating like even more information across and normalizing to a degree that we've only been able to take it so far you know because we only know how to take it so far you know wouldn't it be so interesting to grow up in that generation i would can't even imagine how i would turn out you know like i can only be excited for that version of roxy yes well okay Um, well i I know we're talking kind of about bigger picture things but i guess mm -hmm. as we're moving into 2021 what are like let's say three things that you do want to work on in yourself like with what you've gained and we talked about 2020 um the prospect of 2021 what does that kind of alight in you I think I've learned so much this year. Like, I think 2020 was not a wash at all. Mm. You know, um, it's it's come back to me in such monumental ways for my personal growth. And I think something that I would continue to work on, first of all, is staying in the present as much as I can, because um, this moment will never come again. You know what I mean? And I think people spend too much time thinking about the past and worrying about the future and not and putting so much energy into that, that I think we always don't appreciate what's happening right here and now, Mm. the people that you're speaking to right here and now, you know, and if there's anything that this year has taught us is that physical contact or being able to meet up in person is now rare, you know, (laughs) and hard to come by. And I won't, I, I, um, won't take that for granted. I won't take like sitting in a coffee shop full of people for granted Mm. or driving by somebody and looking, having eye contact with someone for granted. Like I, I think it's paying attention to these small human connections that in the past will just hustle by. Um, so that's the first one. Second one is, um, I realize that, um, there's no such thing as failure Mm. And I will honor myself with anything that hasn't worked in the past as like a new narrative for Mm. myself. You know, um, they're all learning experiences and what I gained from it, I gained stories. And um, I think that's to have stories and a wealth of stories is just as rewarding as like, you know, achieving what it is that I sought. Mm. originally right yeah so i think it's like giving yourself honor to how if things don't turn out the way that they're supposed to um that you still have a precious story to like go back to right and to share and um this third one is something that i hope to be better at um and it's not because i feel like i only let people who have been in my life a long time to have intimacy with me but I want to not be afraid to let new people in mm. um, in, in the most genuine manner like like I think I have a lot of hard, hard boundaries up but I genuinely want to be more open in letting pe- new people have intimacy in my adult years. That's a big one Rox I know I mean I feel you resonate with that one too right like that one's oh, hard yeah, yeah. it's, it's really, hard really for anyone. Yeah. yeah it's scary and even if I want to I realize like there are times where I'm like, there's so much of you for me to get to know and so much of me for you to get to know that sometimes I'm like, maybe it's not worth the effort. Sometimes I just get daunted by the, uh, you know, all the catch up that we have to do. And I'm like, 
but then I feel like we can turn that into a positive thing where it's like, wow, there's so much of you to get to know. It's like discovering a new TV show and realizing there's 10 seasons on Netflix, you know, Um, (laughs) (laughs) realizing you have so much to binge. What about you, Prisca? Okay, I wouldn't say I'm a negative person, but I think that I tend to. Um, in my in in my attempts to relate to people, I'll often try to point out something negative that we can like laugh about. Um, or like if I have a certain accomplishment and someone tries to compliment me, I'll try to like cut it to pieces or laugh about it and um, just try to like, you know, just kind of either point out something negative about it or point out something I don't like about it. And I think the root of that is like I'm often like embarrassed or I don't always know how to relate to people. And these are tools that I've found um, to try to put people at ease, to try to make people comfortable. But I think it's the negativity that I want to work on because why is it that I have to hone in on something negative in order to feel like I can relate to somebody like, for example, sort of like self-deprecating humor, self-deprecating humor. Talking. Like, yeah. for example, if we had a class together and then like after the class, I'd be like <laughs> that mole on that teacher's nose, though. Right. So that we could like laugh about it and have a moment. Um, but I feel like as an adult, um, I noticed that it's over time. People that spend more and more time with me, it becomes very grading you know and i think like even my husband's like why do you always have to do that why do you like you know it's fun for people that don't know me but if you spend a ton of time with me with me it it kind of gets tiresome and even i I had a friend um caroline she really disliked that when i was gonna go hang out with somebody i would try to downplay how excited i was to see my next friend because i wanted my person that I was seeing at the moment to feel more special. So I would like diss the next thing like, oh, I can't believe I have to go hang out with this person. And she's like, you know what? I actually hate when you do that because it makes me wonder what you're saying about me when I'm not here. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. And so this is something I've needed to work on, but I want to be more, you know, explicitly working on it um, this year. And then um, the second thing is just not worrying too much about the future. You know, I deal with a lot of anxiety. I'm always concerned. I'm always just afraid that things aren't going to work out. And when things do work out, which they always inevitably do, whether it's the way you thought it was or not, I always look back on my past self. I'm like, bitch, why'd you worry so much? Why were you like fucking pulling out your hair? But, you know, I've been formed this way and I really want to work on that. And the third thing I need to um, to work on, and I think this does have a connection with the the, the negative thing, is not running on disappointment of others. Uh. Because yes. the, the, the thing that can drive me the most quickly or, 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 you know, kind of fill up my tank with energy is if someone's disappointed in me, that energy I suddenly have to make things right is the biggest driver of, you know, my motivation. And I hate that. I hate that. That's what it takes. I hate that. Like, literally, if I have a toxic boss, I'll work better for them than if I have a healthy relationship with my boss. Because if someone's constantly putting me down or disappointed in me, that is a bigger motivator for me than being encouraged or being, you know, praised. And that's something I definitely need to dig deeper on because I feel like that comes from my childhood or, you know, my upbringing or more how I was in college or whatever. There's a lot of uh, deeper digging that needs to happen there. But you have no idea how many people struggle with that, Priscilla, that a lot of people cannot find motivation from their own self, from their own desires. And it always needs to be some sort of external factor or external urge or impulse from other people that pressure 
of like other people's expectations of you rather than you holding your own expectations for yourself. And that is like the hugest challenge, biggest challenge for us is to shift that desire for us to self-motivate for ourselves, you know, and don't give a fuck about like other people or letting that disappointment like over. I know exactly how you feel. I feel like that's like a lot of young Asian American women and young Asian women just trying to be seen right yeah just trying to be heard agreed and i think another layer of that is for christians just christians across the board the the narrative within the bible is that we should die to ourselves die to ourselves die to ourselves over and over die to ourselves die to oneself you know and i feel like at the end of that as a recovering like ex-christian i guess not ex-christian wait can you explain what that means can you can you dissect that real quick like in a way it's like you don't matter like christ's christ matters like christ's will matters like it doesn't matter what you want it matters what god's will is almost right and like also like you know and and it depends on how you read certain scripture because a lot of people will read love your neighbor as yourself and they'll read it as like well love your neighbor and Abe's kind of reading because he went to um, Biola and uh, uh, or Talbot, their grad program. And his rereading of that is love your neighbor as yourself. So you need to learn to love yourself before you learn to love your neighbor. I think it's dangerous when a lot of churches just preach loving your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. And you know how it, it kind of how it, the reality of that in my family was that our my parents would focus on everybody else first before us. Didn't matter if you know if if their kids were you know out in the car waiting for the meetings to be over for like three four hours as long as they were helping another family it was fine, you know. And so it, it, like and we've talked about like my parents were workaholics in a way, but it, like I lived this idea of love your neighbor first as the children of parents that took it very literally i've had to like basically constantly tell my mom we need to focus on our family time like it is very important for the five of us to have time together and we need to value that because it was kind of a throwaway um a lot of times when we were younger you know it so yeah you know what's like insane is that we were conditioned to be of service to other people and not ourselves for so long that when people started saying, love yourself, I literally had no idea what that. Oh, meant. totally. I don't. What does it mean to love yourself? Like, yeah, I, what? I just <laughs> I'm just here, you know, like, yeah, I didn't understand what that was. No, no. That's how desensitized and like dis- disassociated we were with ourselves, you know, 100 percent. So anyways, that's that that's like a long journey, but we will definitely touch base in a year, Priscilla, at the end of 2021 to see if we have achieved the goals that we set out for ourselves this year. I know. You know? Well, happy 2021, everybody. <laughs> happy 2021. It's time for <laughs> What have you been doing? What have you been watching? What have you been eating? Bitch, have you seen Euphoria? I haven't yet. Okay. I know I have to. Ah! I I'm so late on this and you know I'm sorry everyone. I'm even later on this sorry fun. we're so late um you know I just kind of heard it's a it's a show about teenagers and I was like eh, 
<laughs> but okay to be fair like yeah they're they are teenagers and sometimes it is very like teenagers written by adults like the teenagers are saying like kind of pseudo deep things even though they're like not deep but as someone who grew up on myspace with everyone's profiles like saying super quote-unquote deep shit i'm i'm on board with it you know i'm here for it <laughs> we all thought we were fucking deep you know we were all quoting <laughs> fucking socrates and shit and we didn't understand anything but um it's about this girl named Rue and she is uh, she has is- issues with substance abuse and it's about her meeting like her new best friend um, and they're in high school and everyone's dealing with coming to terms with their sexuality, coming to terms with, you know, how they want substance to be in their lives, um, coming into terms with their relationships, um, learning about toxic relationships and abuse. And it is beautifully done. Like, I think visually it's it's and such an accomplishment and such a feat and um i think zendaya like i didn't know i loved her but now i'm like in love with her and just kind of the character development over the course of this the first season is really beautiful and at the end of it you just have so much like compassion for so many of the characters um i think cassie's like my favorite character so anyway definitely take a watch um it's dark so if you do struggle with um, substance abuse or depression or any other mental health things, just be warned that there are a lot of triggers here. Um, so a lot of content warnings. And my husband, Abe, like we watched the first three episodes together and he, cause he suffers from depression and he's had friends that, you know, have had really unfortunate experiences with substances and he can't watch it. <laughs> so for him, it's like too dark. Um, it, it's just too reminiscent of things he's experienced. So, but I, for me, I, that's an indicator that it's really fucking good because it hits on so many things that it's literally hit him to a point where he's like, I won't watch it. Like he won't be in the same room while I'm watching it. Not because he doesn't think it's good, but because he's like, I'm not ready. I'm not there. It's too triggering for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, okay. My second rec is ruin pair. And I'm definitely saying that wrong, but it's a Thai restaurant. I love this place. Okay. So I went there for the first time, like eight or nine years ago as like, you know, fresh out of college, like drove up to LA type of shit. It's like a landmark Thai restaurant. It's like a landmark Thai restaurant, but like, I didn't know what to order. So like my sister and I, we just like shared a pad CU and like, it was great, but like, you know what I mean? It wasn't different from any Thai restaurant, but I finally ordered like some more things off the menu. Like their green curry was amazing. Like, um, their papaya salad's great. Like all all of their little, like, Oh, Oh, their morning glory. Um, it's, it's like, Uh, right. Like, yeah. So it's like, uh, what is it? Empty heart or yeah. Hollow heart, hollow heart greens are so fucking good. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, and honestly, it's so cheap. So it's a landmark place. You have to go there. I'm probably, you've probably already heard about it. Jonathan Gold loved it. Um, so go there, order, take out, support local. Please do. As, uh, the restrictions continue in Los Angeles, we want to keep our small businesses around as much as possible and Absolutely. not have these historical landmark businesses closed down. Cause that would be the most heartbreaking thing. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, uh yoga has saved my life this year. Mm. And so I came upon this YouTube channel and her name is Jessica Richberg. Shout out to Jessica Richburg. I've, you know, I think people do yoga all the time. There's a bunch of yoga videos on YouTube and, you know, some of them are super intense, mm. you know, like very focused on fitness, blah, blah, blah. And like they have all this music and that's all good and done. But uh, Jessica, she really does her yoga from 
a mindset of carrying anxiety, depression, and stress. So her yoga is so, like, I feel so different every time I do it. There's no music. Her voice is so calm. She teaches you how to breathe. There's always a meditation session afterwards. She's only 24 years old. This, I am addicted. I'm addicted. No, uh, Prisca, you have to try her yoga videos. Like, I am addicted. I have to do it every single day. And she also, like, showed me restorative yoga, which is um like complete relaxing yoga and like using it using it with props so you know i don't have i don't live with anybody so i and i can't get any massages at all this year so restorative yoga using props is basically my way of massaging myself not in that sexual way you horny goatees but like (laughs) uh, (laughs) but it is my way of giving myself a body massage is doing yoga with her and so um just give it a try if you like to practice yoga if you're just like I just want to try something new for grounding myself in the morning or at night um she's awesome I just almost sometimes do it twice a day um and learning about the different sorts of techniques and benefits that yoga can do for you and I'm not an expert you guys obviously I'm a bigger girl and like there are moves I can't do but like overall you know it yoga has really helped me in grounding my mind my emotions and my spirit when things are crazy mm, and that I are out of control. It. So basically we're all Buddhist this year, going back to there that. There we go, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my second rec is, um, I talked about him earlier in this episode. I talked about Case Kenny. He has a podcast called New Mindset Who It Is. And um, basically it's just uh, giving yourself, like I, he is basically like a bro. <laughs> and he like owns this because he just, he's like this white guy in his early 30s, like was an EDM artist, was a DJ, hey. you know what I mean? <laughs> but seriously, he is probably to me like one of the most profound like self growth personal journey. Like yes. um, he's so inspirational, and he definitely helps you shift your mindset when it comes to like dating, your relationship with yourself, and like how you view experiences in your life in the most healthy way, and help helps you navigate to where you want to go right and he really helps you shift your thinking so uh he was like popping up in my instagram feed a lot and then um i just really realized the power of his words and how he simplifies everything like i was talking about the clout versus clouds and i'm like wow that really does make sense and it, it hits hard and you know he's not like a guru or anything like that and he's literally like a like a like just another guy trying to make it through life and he acknowledges that he's very broy and like you know but you know that we're all sort of the same yeah. you know despite all of our differences you so who you are gotta own who you are and then he also has this i got a journal um he has this journal called you know new mindset who does which is also the name of his journal and you for those who don't practice journaling every day because i don't um he has prompts in it Mm. so his journal is a 60 day exercise 10 minutes a day on you finding your relationship with your soul it's crazy that's dope so yeah, I, I just got it. I've been working on it and it's been really amazing to have further conversations with myself. So um, that is what I would reco- recommend. Please go check him out. I'm going to go get my tarot cards. You talk okay. to the people. Okay. Hi, people. Um, no, that's that's really amazing. And I, I kind of feel similar about like Eddie Huang. Like I know that we come from, I mean, he's Taiwanese American, but that's probably where our similarities kind of end. And um but he's kind of like very hip hoppy, but I love his like perspective on life, you know, and I think that is the key 
um, to just uh, yeah, <laughs> what are you Eddie Huang. <laughs> Always, oh yeah, love him. All roads point back to Eddie Huang, but he's kind of like my case, Kenny. Where I'm like, I don't know that we'd be friends, but I fuck with his mindset. You know what I mean? I love yes, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Roxy's gonna pull a card for the collective, so everybody send your energy. Everybody send your energies in. And also, if you would like a personal reading, you could come check me out on uh, sunqueen-tarot.com or my Instagram, sunqueen-tarot. And then um, you can schedule a reading yourself if you want more personal. Just Um, just have Kleenex nearby because Roxy has a tendency to do readings that elicit a lot of tears. (laughs) Just saying. I've I've never had a dry eye after a reading with Rox. Okay, uh, two cards came okay. out. Ah, okay, <laughs> so I'm just going to read them because uh, t- today's spirit is really talkative. Mm. So we have the Tower card and we have the Four of Pentacles. So the Tower card is a major arcana card. It talks about something that happens in our life that's once in a lifetime. So I think it's really significant that, it, you know, the end of 2020 and the start of 2021, the Tower card talks about everything that you've built crumbling to the ground, right? So it's like everything you imagined, the way you thought of the world, um, your relationships around you, the space that you're living in, right? I think this year we did a complete Marie Kondoing of like what no longer serves us, right? Yeah. So the Tower card talks about everything falling for us to rebuild again. All right. So don't be afraid. If this, if there's anything that this year has taught us, it's don't be afraid of letting your tower burn to the ground because we can always restart Mm. again. All right. So the ending of the cycle of 2021, the ending of this Jupiter and Saturn conjunction happening on the 21st, new cycles are beginning. Okay, there's always a chance for you to reinvent yourself to start something new. And then we also have the Four of Pentacles. And the Four of Pentacles talks about somebody who's unwilling to let go. Mm. Someone who thinks that they this is their material belongings, this is what they have, but they're they're clinging on to it. They're just like, this is all that I have and all that I define my life with. No, you have to let go of things. There's a possessiveness. Mm. Uh, you have to let go of things that no longer serve you. You have to let go of your preconceived notions of yourself. You have to let go of what what you think is is you're you're running out of money this is all you have left you have to let all of that go you have to allow other energies and other people seek permission to come into your space and allow you wow. to to detach i think there's a there's a beautiful sense of detachment because cycles end regardless mm. so you have to let go so i i really hear that that's really what i'm hearing that's right now with the beautiful. Four pentacles. so remember everybody yeah it's like yeah cycles end i think is what what it comes yeah. down to from you got to tear cards. down to rebuild exactly oh my god thank you so much so, roxy you're welcome we love you guys and we're so excited for the season and i can't wait to hear from all of you can't wait well have a horny week our lovely goatees and remember stay, stay horny, horny. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Prisca. Engineering and music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com.